been talking over a time. We've had this sub-theme uh, under our, our main theme of moving people in following Christ. We wanted to know how to do that and wanted to understand better how to do that. And what a better place to look at how to move people in following Christ than Christ himself. That's what he did when he was on the earth here. And so we've been looking at the master plan. We've been looking at how he made disciples. How did Jesus do it? Making disciples. What did Jesus say? How did he model it? You know, what, what, did he, what did he say to the disciples when they asked questions? What did he say to people as he interacted with them? How did he model it? What, what did he do? You know, when you watch someone's life, you understand their values. You understand how they understand things themselves. And we've been using this scripture and this, this last, these last verses in, um, uh, in Matthew. We've been basing it all around this scripture, kind of like the, the final instructions that Jesus gave uh, to the disciples before he ascended into heaven to be with the Father. We, we've been hanging off, we've been looking at parts of that, and where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, as you go, and we said some versions say, Therefore, go, so it was like a command, but some versions talk about, As you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And for the disciples, it was kind of like, this is it. For Jesus, this is, my, this is it now. We've gotten to this point. This is where you guys take it from here. And um, we've been looking at it in that context, understanding that it's also the same kind of um, command to us, isn't it? It's kind of like Jesus saying to us, okay, You've, you've been in the Word, you've, you've been in church and you might have grown up in church or not or you, you've been part of, you know, this is where you take it from here. This is where you go as you go out and where we take it from here. And we've kind of handled it in that context. And we've talked about as you go. Key word, of course, is go. You need to move. You need to be active. You need to be moving to get anywhere. And we've looked at what did Jesus do as he went? As he was going, what did he do and what should we do? And we've tried to make sure that in every way we've, we've, we've looked at what Jesus did with the disciples and we've tried to give that an application in our own lives. An application that, that works. Not just some pie-in-the-sky application, but something that we can do with our lives as we go. We began by looking at things like setting priorities, um, taking opportunities, uh, making plans, being intentional, uh, we talked about how he socialized, that, that Jesus used food, how he dealt with failure and success. And just in terms of taking opportunities, I, you know, when I was preparing this this week, I was, I was thinking about Generosity Sunday and I was thinking about Russell's funeral and I was thinking about that line in, in Roxanne's testimony where she said, this is the church. You know, right at the end of her, 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 um, her email, she said, you know, my prayer is that your generosity will be a powerful witness of Christ's love in action. Our street has heard the yelling and arguing and seen the destruction of family and home over the past few years. And this was such a powerful declaration of God's goodness, restoration and rebuilding. Now that's, that's an opportunity, isn't it? That's taking an opportunity. That's what Jesus is talking about, you know. We looked at that and when there's opportunities, jump in. You don't need to be a preacher. You, don't, you need to be able to... Paint, sand, clean a kitchen like a Dutch lady, you know, whatever you can do. 
So that's really, that's really important to see how Jesus talked about that. He went on and he talked about baptizing, how he baptized and he brought salvation. It was never for nothing. And even as John shared with us, we're not just doing this for nothing. We, we, really, we really want to see them in the kingdom. We understand that, that the, ultimate, the ultimate gift we can give them or we can share with them is salvation, isn't it? And it, it pains us sometimes to watch and seeing Russell dying and not really knowing, you know, having shared something with him. But the ultimate gift we have to share is salvation. And Jesus talked about that. Baptize them. You know, and he talked about the context of community. And a community empowers us to be able to be that, to take those opportunities. He taught scripture. He didn't just do stuff. He sat down and taught them. They listened. And just like you're doing now, and, and like you might do in your life groups, or you might do at a conference, Jesus taught them because he understood teaching is important. Passing on stuff, listening and learning new stuff is really important. Jesus taught. He taught them to pray. He helped them understand that their key connection to do this was going to be with the Father, was going to be ultimately with him. He told stories, parables. I, um, I did a message on that some time ago about telling stories that we all have stories, that we all have something we can share of God's work in our lives. And it contextualizes things. He gave them authority. He said, you know, you go now and do it. And you've had some practice, go and do it. He gave them power. He gave them the Holy Spirit. And last week, Glenn talked about us having power by the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. That as we go, we know that the Holy Spirit indwells us. We know that the Holy Spirit empowers us for what we have to give. Whether that's, again, you know, I'm going to be really practical here, whether that's painting a fence or a wall or cutting grass, or whether it's passing on a word of knowledge or, or praying with somebody. Or, you know, he gave us the power to do that. You know, and, we have, you know, and I've talked about this before, and I, I have to be careful I don't go off my notes here because I get really enthusiastic about the idea that we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And do you know that? You know, if, if, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus said to the disciples, didn't he? He said, look, I'm, I'm going to go in John 16, I think it is, or somewhere around there. Um, someone will correct me if it's not. But he says to the disciples, it would be better for you if I go. And, and, and they're thinking, how could that be better? This is cool. You know, we're with you, Jesus. We're watching stuff happen. We're actually doing stuff when you send us out. You know, how could it be better if you go? And he goes on to say, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he'll indwell you. Because you see, Jesus wanted to empower the disciples for the task. In order to do that, he wanted to get inside them. And in his physical form, we understand that Jesus was fully man, don't we? We know that. He was fully man. In his physical form, the closest he could get is about as close as you are to the person next to you. And if you're married or like each other, you're probably a bit closer than most people. But that's as close as he could get. But he wanted to get inside and that's what he was saying, it would be better. It's going to be so much better for you to, as you go, if I can come and live in you. And that's what we have. And that would be an amen moment. If you were African, you'd be saying amen. Because that's what we have. You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people and they did something. Elijah ran like the wind. And we have the Holy Spirit in us all the time. Oh, I could go on about that, but I won't because I'll be off my notes. But... Wait for it. When we're not on theme, if I'm up here, look out. You know, it's coming, it's coming. God is coming. 
Where was I? Holy Spirit in us. And Glenn talked about that, that that's the power that we have to minister to others. How, so, um, <laughs> so today I want to look at, right at the end of that, that set of verses, and you'll see I've done it in red there. I want to talk about it right at the last bit. And surely I will be with you always. You know, I was thinking, how was that and is that encouraging? He's not physically going to be with them. He's not physically with us. How does that work and how will it help? Well, part of the answer is what Glenn shared last week, is that whole sense of we have the Holy Spirit in us. The other part of the answer, and I want to talk about that this morning, and because we have the Holy Spirit in us, we can hear God. The other part of the answer is that we can hear God. He speaks and he instructs. You know, you sometimes wonder, God, you know, how do I know that you're with me? You're not physically with me, Jesus. You're, you're with the Father in heaven. And you said you were going to be with me. How do I know that? We can hear God. We can hear God's voice. And this is really important. So I want to talk this morning about hearing God as we go. And this, for some of you, might be something that you think, oh, yeah, that's, that's no, you know, I understand that. That happens to me all the time. Some of you may wonder what that looks like. You see, Jesus was saying to the disciples, you would be able to hear, you'll be able to hear me. They would be able to hear God. They would be able to hear his instructions and his guidance as they went, as they went to establish the church. And as we go, we can hear God too. God's word is clear in this. You know, we've had discussions. We've had people have discussions over the years. Can you hear God's voice? Do we still hear God's voice? Is God speaking? You know, does God speak to us nowadays? Well, God's word is very clear. God is always speaking. And I've got a few. There's a stack of scriptures and I couldn't fit them on one slide and clearly I couldn't. <laughs> I did it on a Mac. That's why. But I'll read them to you. Anyway. This is what God says. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known in Jeremiah. And Isaiah he said, and your ears will hear a, word behind, hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. And then in John, where Jesus said to the, to the multitudes when he was speaking, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And in Job, for God does speak. Now one way and now another, though no one perceives it. So it's clear, very clear, that God speaks, that we can hear God. So now that we've established that, here are two questions that I hear a lot. For many years I've heard these questions, I've asked them, and I hear them still now. So how do I hear God's voice? Anyone ever ask that question? How do I hear God's voice? Or how come I don't, or, or why don't I hear God's voice? I've had that question sometimes. Has anyone ever asked that question? How come, how come I don't hear God's voice? Or I want to read a little bit of a story, and off of that I'm going to um, speak a little bit more on a few things. The story goes like this. Listen along. Imagine that you were hired to open up an office in the Kimberleys. Your new boss gives you this high-tech-looking two-way radio, gives you that, gives you a policy and procedures manual, and tells you that you'll 
receive further instruction when you arrive. So off you go. Upon arrival, you hear your boss's voice over the radio saying, I will communicate to you through this radio unit. But take note, this is an open channel. Our competitors, our enemies also have access to this channel. They'll try to impersonate my voice with false messages to thwart our purposes in business. Oh no, you panic. How will I know if it's you or if it's the enemy giving me instructions? Your boss's voice comes back over the radio. Well, there's three ways. First, consider the situation. Check every message supposedly from me against the policy and procedure menu. Since I wrote it, I'm not likely to ask you to violate it, right? Also, if I'm not talking, don't focus in on the noise, pretending like I am. If I'm not speaking, let the manual be your guide. Don't let any impersonating voice mislead you or your own overactive imagination. Second, since the manual doesn't cover every situation that you might come across, you'll have to get to know my voice. I know this will take time and I'm not likely to ask you to do anything radical until we both have some low-risk successes under our belts. Remember, I understand the situation perfectly well, so I'll go slow at first. A time will come when I'll be able to tell you to do the wildest things and you'll know it's me. In the short term, you need to be trained through low-risk experience. And third, over time, my overall purpose for your work and for the business will begin to come into focus. You'll begin to see the grand strategy in the policy and procedures manual and the overall pattern of my true instructions. And when this happens, you'll know instantly if what you hear through your unit is me or just your imagination or enemy misinformation. False instructions will begin to appear silly to you. So take heart and get to work. So after reflecting on this for a few moments, you hear your boss's voice again on the radio. Take all the money from petty cash and give it to the next person that work, walks in. No questions asked. Hmm. You look in the policy and procedure manual, and this is specifically forbidden. Besides, you know your boss wouldn't tell you to do something risky right off. And also, there was a sort of twang to the voice, an appeal to something different within you. And the plan wasn't in the long-term interest of the company. So even though you're on a hostile channel, you're beginning to have hope that you can do this job. Anyone want to move to the Kimberleys? I hear it's nice there. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So the question's again, how do I hear God's voice and, and how come I don't or why don't I? And in all sorts of contexts, you hear those questions. You hear those questions when people are, are trying to figure out direction for their life. Uh, trying to figure out how to deal with it, maybe an issue in family, um, a young person trying to issue, you know, is, is this the right partner for me, you know, or what kind of study should I, ha should I do? What sort of next steps should I take in my business? You know, uh, what should I do in terms of the kingdom work? What, what should I do in terms of serving God? And I could go on, but there's, there's a whole lot of context that I hear these questions in, and I've asked them in myself. To be truthful right off the bat, there's probably a whole lot more to answering these questions than we could address in one sermon. So maybe again, when we're off theme, I'll do some more of how to. But I want to focus on four things, three of them we talked about and my extra one. Maybe four kind of prerequisites, let's call them. I think the first one is, same as the story, the policy manual, isn't it? The word of God for us. You know, 
the major way that we hear God, the primary way that God communicates to us is through his word. You know the scriptures that you know these scriptures. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. And Romans says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. You see, when we spend time in the word, it becomes clear what the plan is, and it becomes clear how you fit into the plan. We get a picture of, of who God is, we get a picture of his nature and character, we get a we get a bit of an idea. Of, of what he thinks about us and how he deals with us. We, it becomes clear who we are and how God wants to use us when we know who we are. We get an idea of purpose. We, we get to see our future, not through our own questioning eyes, but through God's eyes. It becomes clear how we're supposed to treat other people. We get to know the word tells us right, from the, right off the bat that every human being is an image bearer. Every human being was made by God. So it becomes really clear how we're supposed to treat other human beings. And this works out its, its purpose in our role and our actions and the way we, we minister and reach out to the world. It becomes clear who we live for and why we exist. The Bible helps us understand that we, we don't live for ourselves, that we exist because for God's favor, to, to serve him. Values and what's important become clear to us. Ethics, how to stand in society. We don't need to ask God, please tell me, let me hear your voice, please tell me what you think of human beings. We know that. The Word is the primary place that God talks to us. The Word is our primary way to hear God or to test what we're hearing or thinking or maybe even to challenge some assumptions and off-track moments in our own life. So if you want to hear God on a topic or you want to hear God on something or a direction, check the Word first. Get to know the Word. See what it has to say. See if your thoughts <clears throat> and your ideas align with what the Word says. You know, I was thinking as I was preparing that, and if you're not hearing God, this is for me as well, maybe you need to spend more time in the Word. Maybe that would be a really good place to start. Because the truth be told, we actually know much of what God says. We just don't always like it because it isn't always easy. But we actually know. So number one, the Word of God, the policy manual. The second one, know God. You know, if you want to hear God's voice, you need to know God and be in a relationship with Him. It's ironic how sometimes we look at God as this great Santa Claus or this great being in, and we want to hear him and we believe that he gives direction, but we don't want to build intimacy. We don't want to build a relationship with him. And a few scriptures I, I, I've got up there. Whoever, whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Well, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? But it's the truth. If you're not in relationship with God, you're not going to hear from him. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. How often have you said, God, I, wanna, I just need to hear for some wisdom. I need some wisdom here or, or, or I need some revelation. It says that the Lord of our, God, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him when you know God. And the second one is like it. The next one's like it. 
that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit. <laughs> so what we want to do in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So if you want to hear God, you need to work on your relationship with God. You can't just tap in and dial in triple zero when you need to hear from God, but the rest of the time just ignore him. Or the rest of the time saying, I've got this, I can do this by myself. We need to work on our relationship with God in order to be tuned in to hear from him. You know, intimacy starts retuning your hearing, doesn't it? You know, I was, I was pondering and reading some stuff and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, intimacy between a mother and a child. I once heard this story, you know, I once heard a story of, or I heard a mother, there was, you know, a bunch of six or eight mothers and 108 kids. That's probably not possible, but anyway, there was a stack of kids and, and a number of mothers. I can't tell when one of them yells out, Mom, I don't know who's Mum. But one mum responds to that one voice and the other mums don't. Why? You know that because there's intimacy there. They know the voice. They know their kid's voice and kids know their mother's voice as well. Intimacy with God. Hearing him distinguishes his voice apart from others because we get used to it. It's also said that a child can recognize the mother's and sometimes the father's voice from the womb. There's this intimacy and closeness that they've heard it. And it's a great picture of, if you want to hear God, that you build that intimacy with God so that it becomes natural to hear Him. Husband and wives, relationships and commitment, when you're invested in someone else's in life, you, it becomes important to you to listen to them more than you would listen to other people. You want to because the relationship makes you care about what the other has to say. So we need to foster that closeness and intimacy with God. We need to allow our relationship with God to influence us, to change us. You know, when we build that relationship with God, that's the place that we learn to hear God. That quietness in that relationship, you learn to hear when God speaks. We learn to recognize His voice. We learn to stay in a place of closeness so that we can always. And that relationship helps us to filter out the other noise or helps us just discern God's voice above others. And you and I know that there's a stack of noise in our world nowadays, a stack of things calling for our attention. The enemy, ourselves and the world are three things that vie for the attention from God. So if we were to combine even just these two, the Word and knowing God and being in relationship, we are well on the way to understanding how we can hear God. Well on the way the bulk of it. The third one I want to talk about is commitment to the purpose and obedience. This one's a little harder. This is a bit where we think, oh, I don't know if I want to hear God's voice now. You know? When you're committed to the purpose, when you see the grand strategy, when you see the reason for the business, when you see why God's doing what he's doing, why he did what he did, why he's using you and, and what he's trying to do, when we understand from Genesis to Revelation, the whole plan of what God's doing, redeeming the earth. And when we commit to it, when we recognize that he calls us to that plan and we commit to it, we understand it becomes clearer. You see, most of us work for bosses or have parents or teachers or people in authority. A boss isn't going to share plans and strategies if his worker isn't listening. 
or seems not to be listening, or if he didn't obey the last directions. Now it's interesting how we want to hear God for direction and we expect God to keep speaking, but the last few times he spoke, we weren't committed to following what he said, or we didn't listen. You know, James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. If we aren't committed to obedience and following God's purpose and instruction, in even the simple stuff, we cannot expect God to keep speaking and directing. Let me say that again because this is really important. This is something we don't think. We think that God is this ultimate, um, you know, keep on keeping on sort of person. And he is in terms of he's saving the world. But if we aren't committed to obedience and following God's purposes and instruction in our lives, in even the simple stuff, we cannot expect God to keep speaking and directing specifically in our lives. Knowing in our hearts what the answer is, and yet not doing what we know God would want. Agendas. You know, we always have, whose agenda are you following? Whose agenda for life? Whose, whose goals in life do you have? His or your own? I know what the answer is for me a lot of the time. You know, not responding to promptings to, to share. You know, you have op- we have opportunities at Cavell. We have opportunities in all sorts of places. You have opportunities in your family, in your life, in, in school, in work, uh, and socially. And I, I know that in my life there's been often times where I've been prompted and I haven't done something. And, and if you're honest, there's times in your life where you, there was an opportunity for you to stand up for, for Jesus or there was an opportunity to, to share something, but you didn't do it. Not responding to promptings to share, talk, or encourage someone when we know God has told us to. That's what it looks like. And dare I say it, in a church, not praying with someone because we, think, because we don't think we'd know what to say. How often do we just jump in and just pray for each other or, or you know, get an encouragement for one another? That's, you know, the word is full of that. The picture of the early church, the church that Jesus asked the disciples to establish as they went, is full of that fellowship. There isn't a picture of a hundred chairs being set up and everyone staring at one person speaking. Sorry, guys, it isn't there. There's teaching. But the picture is of community where they eat together, where they, they share, they pray for one another. You know, and I wonder if there isn't a secret there, you know, knowing that we're called to pray for one another, but we don't think we'd know what to say. Yeah, the Bible has something to say about that. The Holy Spirit will give you words to say at the moment when you need them. How many of you have ever had an experience like that? Yeah. Well, you've been in a situation you think, uh-oh, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And then you say something, and afterwards you think, I was so cool. And it wasn't you, it was God. You know, seriously, you know, did that just come out of my mouth? Have you ever had one of those moments? I've been teaching in YWAM sometimes, and all of a sudden something comes out of my mouth, and I said, I hope someone took notes. I'll never remember that again. <laughs> Do you know, the, you know, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say at the moment you need them. If you're committed... 
And further, but this will be your opportunity to tell them about me, so don't worry in advance about how you answer the charges against you because I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply. Oh, I would love that. How cool would that be that all of a sudden something comes out of your mouth with such wisdom that anyone that had an opposing argument just... And that's what we're promised. And this was for the disciples when they were wondering what they would say when it got tough. When it gets hard, they were going to need commitment to the cause and obedience to follow the prompts. And that's true for you and me too. You know, we often figure, kind of think, you know, that was really necessary for the disciples because they were establishing stuff. And, and, you know, of course, they were close to Jesus. They had that kind of, you know, one touch anointing sort of thing. And we're now in this age and there's so much going on in our lives. And, and could it be pop? It can. And it's supposed to be. It's tough for us too. It's not always easy to share Jesus with people. It's actually frightening sometimes, particularly in the world that we're in nowadays. You know, there's stuff that you wouldn't stick on Facebook or you wouldn't say in public. But it's the same for us. If we're not committed and if we're not likely to follow what we hear in obedience, then the chances are we won't hear God because we've tuned ourselves out. So it takes humility, it takes submission. If we want to hear God's voice, if we're going to ask God to speak, it takes humility, it takes submission. God, if you speak, I'm ready to hear you. I'm ready to move with what you're saying. I'm ready to use what you're saying in my life or in someone else's life. I'm ready to do something with it. Whether it's a tiny little thing just to encourage someone or pray for them or a big thing like pack up your bags and, and go and move to another state or another country. It takes humility and submission. The writer to the Hebrews, and I don't have that one up here, the writer to Hebrews said as much when he said, Today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts like you did. And in those two chapters of Hebrews, he says that three times. Today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. And a hard heart is the opposite to humility, isn't it? And if you want an example of the ultimate humble servant who heard the voice of God and did what he was told, We've only got to look at Jesus, don't we? Jesus asked his son to come and die on the cross so that you and I could have life. If you want hum- humility and submission, it's right there for us to see every time we open the word. That's what Jesus did for you. We're the beneficiaries of Jesus' humility and submission. We're the beneficiaries of Jesus' obedience. We're the beneficiaries of Jesus moving when his father spoke to him. And there's a whole world out there that deserves to be the beneficiaries of us moving when God speaks to us in their lives as well. And it starts in your family, over the fence to your neighbour, in your local area, in your country, in all sorts of countries. I said four things. Fourth one, and I um, practice. Now you've heard me say this up here a few times. How do you get better at tennis? Now, I know more of you know that. How do you get better at soccer, Steve? How do you get better at tennis? Practice. And you practice, and you keep practicing. And practice is this thing that's continual. It's not just practice once. And I'm, you know, I always joke about the Australian Open. I love watching the Open, and I watch it, and I watch it, and I watch it, and I reckon by watching it, I'll get really better. The first time I get out in the court, it seems to have helped my game know 
in no you know, way, shape or form. You see, I can't watch soccer, can I, Steve, to get better at it? I've got to get a coach like Steve that's nasty and makes me run and practice and work hard. He's not nasty, he's a good coach. But it's true. And we know that. We know that if we want to get better at something in school or something, we know that we have to practice. We over-spiritualize stuff like hearing God's voice. If you want to get better at hearing God's voice, practice it. Practice hearing God's voice. People are different. You will hear God's voice in different styles. There are people that will get a picture. There are people that will get a scripture. There are people that will just get a thought. There are people that will have a film running through their head. There are, peop- there are so many different styles. You know, there are people that will draw a, draw a picture. See, that's not me because I can't draw. Even stick figures don't look, stick, look like stick figures when I draw them. But people can draw really well. Practicing hearing God's voice is so key. Don't over-spiritualize it. We need to learn to hear God and get better at it. You know, it can take sometimes resting and being quiet. Um, it can take you know, getting into the Word, just pondering, uh, hearing thoughts, using ideas, and learning to hear God is okay. Practicing to hear in God is okay. And we kind of think in churches, we think, oh, you know, we can do that. You know, we're not, make, we're not sporting with God. We're not testing God. We're actually learning to be attuned to the way that God speaks to us and learning an obedience to use that. So I've got a few tips there. I've put a few tips up there. You know, when you're practicing to hear God's voice and in lots of different contexts, whether it's for yourself in your room, whether you're with somebody or you're thinking about a situation or you're going to meet with somebody, what does the word say? What does the word say about the situation or something? What, 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 you know, what do I see? And I'm, I'm going to, you know, just in the interest of full disclosure, I am going to get you to do something afterwards. Some of you will say, oh, no. Others of you will say, oh, cool. Okay. What do I see? God gave you eyes. You observe things. You see situations. Again, if I use the coach example, Steve, you watch them train. You watch them play a game. You see stuff and you think, that's where I've got to focus in on. That's what I've got to, you know. You look at people, you watch their life, you might know them and you see they're looking sad, they're looking happy. They're, what do you see? What do I know? What do I know about situation? Or what do I know about how God wants to move in this situation? What's God's heart for, for this situation? Or what's God's heart for them? And it could be really specific or it could be global. I know what God's heart is for human beings. And then act. And I put the word encourage there lots of time because it's always right to encourage, isn't it? Scripture says, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. And therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in fact you are doing. And I was looking at that Thessalonians one, I think, are we doing that? So, we are going to practice hearing God's voice. Who's keen? Well, that was really, you know, I'm up the front here, you're down there, you don't get a choice today. We're going to practice. I do this in schools that I teach at and I want to tell you that there's always in any group there's people that have never done anything like this and some that have but afterwards everybody thinks that was amazing. What we're going to do is I'm going to get you to pair off not with your boyfriend, husband, close friend, all that sort of stuff. So that's a prerequisite. Okay? I'm going to get you to pair off and I'm going to get you to have your phones or a Bible or at least have access to the Word and what I'm going to get you to do, and this will feel a little bit awkward to start with, 
I'm going to get you to sit in pairs, and I'm going to get you just to be quiet. Now, in the interest of not going um, so long, you're going to be quiet for two minutes, like dead quiet. During that two minutes, and this is another challenge, you're going to love this. You're seriously going to love this. Believe me, smile at me, please. During that two minutes, I want you to look at each other. Not gaze in each other's eyes. That's why I don't want couples doing it. You know, that's, you know. I want you to look at each other. And seriously, you know, this might sound funny, but I believe that when we look, God speaks. While you're being quiet, while you're looking at each other, I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit, is there something that I could share with them and I can pray for them? It could be a scripture that jumps into your mind. It could be a picture. It could be just a word of encouragement. Remember, it's always good to encourage. Now, another disclaimer, people think, but what if it's not God? What if that isn't God? Tip, revelation, guys. On this side of glory, there is no 100% God because he's using me and I am a broken vessel. But he chooses to use me. And he always, it's always good to encourage. So step out. Then after two minutes, after what? Looking and thinking. I want you just to share with that other person, I would just like to encourage you. Or I'm thinking this. Or I've got a picture of this. Or here's a scripture. Then I want you just to pray, real short, just to pray that scriptural word over and say, thank you for that word. I just pray that they'd be encouraged by that this today, etc., etc. Now, I don't want you just to do this because I said it. I want you actually, I mean, I mean this, and I know this is really hard. I want you to do it believing that God will speak. And I tell you, every time I've done this, people have come back and said, really, I never, I've, I've never experienced that before. You know, I've never, and the person listening said, wow, that was just so encouraging. I want you to know that what the word says is true, that when we get together, that we can encourage one another, that you can hear God for one another. It doesn't have to be earth shattering. I don't want to hear anyone getting pregnant in the next, you know, all that. You know, I don't mean to prophesy stuff over each other. Unless that really is God. So, and then, so the whole exercise is only going to take a few minutes, but you do need to take those two minutes and just in your mind say, God, Holy Spirit, you're in me. Speak to me. What could I share with this person? So, need you to find someone that isn't a close friend, isn't husband, isn't boyfriend, girlfriend, and that you'd like to um, encourage this morning. And um, get your chairs, turn, face each other, have the word, wait for two minutes, then share with each other and pray with each other. And then I'll, when it looks like we're done, I'm going to sort of wind up and, and pray. Go in, do it in faith, guys. Let's do this.